In a moment, we'll be uh, reading from Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to be going through that series over the next few months, and uh, titled Kingdom Potential. And before we do, uh, let's come to God in prayer. God, we come before you in this time of conversation, in this time of prayer, and we pray for you to open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to your working in our life, in the life of the church. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we read from your word, as you challenge us and speak to us where we may have broken walls and may, where we have to look at the kingdom potential that's before us. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So Nehemiah 1, it's Old Testament. You got the books of Moses and you got Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. There was this man... And he approached a little league baseball game one afternoon. And he happened to ask the boy in the dugout, Hey, what's the score of your game? And the boy responded, 18 to nothing. We're behind. The spectator replied, Well, I'll bet you you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged? replied the little boy. Just wait till we get up to bat. 
Here we have a man and a boy looking at the same game from a totally different perspective. This young boy, he didn't look at what they didn't have, no runs. This young boy looked at what they could have, the potential. Potential is defined by having, or as rather, as having the capacity of becoming something in the future. It is the ability to grow and develop. We heard Steve talk about seeds into plants this morning. And potential occurs within the church. Somebody may perceive a certain ministry as running itself into the ground and discouraged, losing 18 to nothing. But another person may perceive that same ministry with excitement and with the attitude, just wait till we get up to bat. Potential. Kingdom potential. Kingdom potential is the capacity of the church growing the kingdom of God. The capacity of becoming something greater. Some of you have probably heard this phrase, kingdom potential, already. Through the journey that we are on with our kitchen table visits. Where our church leaders are visiting and and listening to all attendees in the church. And receiving information and seeking out themes. You see, the kitchen table visits encouraged us to involve each person in the congregation. And to listen how you perceive God is working in the church. And it's the excitement of getting up to bat. Despite how many runs it appears we might be behind. The kitchen table visit is one tool for looking at our kingdom potential. And striving to listen always to the Holy Spirit's leading His people, His church. So today, as mentioned, we begin a series Maybe nine, maybe ten, I don't know, maybe eleven sermons on the book of Nehemiah. I'm not sure yet. There's thirteen chapters in Nehemiah. We'll see where it takes us. And as mentioned, the series is titled Kingdom Potential. And these sermons will prompt and encourage us to ask questions of the church that God has placed us in here in Exeter. And some of the questions that we could ask ourselves would be what Nehemiah asks Where are our walls broken? Where might the enemy be entering into the church today? What can we do to move forward in our kingdom potential? Recognizing, though, that kingdom potential is not a destination. It's not an end goal. But rather, it's a journey. So let's first understand the context of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was writing in the year 446 B.C., It was 140 years earlier, in 586 B.C., that the Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, had taken people of Judah as captive. Their city of Jerusalem and their temple had been destroyed. You can read that story in 2 Kings 25. So following this captivity, it was then, almost 50 years later, it was 538 B.C., that a group of uh, 50,000 Jews returned to Jerusalem. And this was under the leadership of Cyrus, king of Persia, who conquered Babylon. And at this time, when the Jews returned, they intended to rebuild the temple. But the temple wasn't started, actually, until about 18 years later, due to frustrations with surrounding nations. And then it was 80 years later, in 458 BC, that Ezra the priest took another group of Jews with him to Jerusalem. 
And then Nehemiah arrived on the scene about 12 years later in 446 BC. And then he became governor of Judah for a period of 12 years. Now prior to coming to Jerusalem, Nehemiah, as mentioned in the final verse of chapter 1, was cupbearer to the king. As cupbearer, Nehemiah had the responsibility to test the king's wine at each meal to ensure that it was not poisoned. So he resided at the side of the king. And as a result, the person next to the king had to be cultured, he had to be wise and handsome, and often had the ability to influence the king either for good or for bad, assuming the wine wasn't poisoned. Nowhere, though, does Nehemiah's name appear in the New Testament. He's not listed in the long list of heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. And maybe this was due to his little bit of a rough edge. And some people see him as an unappealing person who threw his weight around and he wouldn't be pleasant company. According to Nehemiah 13.25, he appeared to have somewhat of a temper. But he also had many positive characteristics. He had zeal. And he had humility and reverence for God and for doing God's will. He had commitment and obedience. He had compassion for the needy, for his neighbor. He was a mover and a shaker. And he was a thousand kilometers away from the Jewish remnant in Judah, where he was enjoying luxury in the palace of the king. But when he put his mind to it, he went to Jerusalem and he organized the completion of the walls of Jerusalem in only 52 days. Nehemiah 6.15 So the book of Nehemiah begins with his brother Hanani who arrived from Judah. And Nehemiah cared enough to ask Hanani about the situation of the remnant in Judah. Now too often people decide to be ignorant and would rather not want to know especially if you're living in luxury we have those familiar cliches right like out of sight out of mind or ignorance is bliss but nehemiah wanted to know and nehemiah asked the question and through a common conversation between two brothers god's providential hand is at work in the life of nehemiah nehemiah cares enough to want to know what's going on So Nehemiah questioned Hanani about the Jewish remnant. And Hanani replies, The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned by fire. Now, this would appear to be an odd thing to even bring up. Because the broken walls have been in this situation in Jerusalem for 140 years. This is old news. It's like me coming up to you today and saying, guess what? The first baseball game was just played in Tecumseh Park in London. The first baseball game was played May 3rd, 1877. This was news 140 years ago. The first baseball game is old news. The broken walls of Jerusalem... It was 140 years old news, and this may have been old news, but yet this was still important news because city walls were important. 
Having a broken wall meant that the people were not protected. A broken wall allowed enemies to enter into the city. Broken walls created the people to be vulnerable. And in addition to no protection and vulnerability, a city without a wall was seen as insignificant. So the fact that the wall was broken was a disgrace to Jerusalem. And it was considered the city of God. And it dishonored God. After some attempts to rebuild the city walls, years earlier, fear prevented the Jewish people from rebuilding these broken walls. And then the people eventually became apathetic to the broken walls. Oh, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the new normal. But after 140 years, this situation finally upset someone enough. The walls of Jerusalem were down. The Jewish people didn't seem to care. They were vulnerable to the enemy. And Nehemiah cared enough about his fellow Jews to ask the question. Nehemiah cared enough to weep. He cared enough to fast. He cared enough to pray. And do we care to ask the questions about the walls in our church? In what area are our walls down? And we're not talking about physical, literal walls, but spiritual walls, ministry walls. Where are we vulnerable to the enemy entering into the church body? Where do we need to repair our walls? And let's not be apathetic to where there are maybe broken walls. Let's not allow fear to prevent the church becoming what God intends it to be. We cannot let the broken walls become the new normal. There may be some who have a certain perspective of where we are losing the game, 18 to nothing, and others are waiting until we get up to bat. The church has kingdom potential. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to become to grow. We have broken walls that can be fixed. We can grow. What are some of these areas of kingdom potential? Well, perhaps one area might be spiritual growth. Is our spiritual life such that we're simply maintaining status quo? Or if we look at our life over the past year or more, have we seen spiritual growth? And what does spiritual growth look like? Do we fully trust God to lead us and to lead his church? Do we know God's word? Part of spiritual growth involves knowing what God's word says to us. Knowing what God says to us in this time, in this place. And are we taking advantage and the opportunity of hearing God's word, not only in preaching on Sundays, but also through personal devotions, maybe through living small groups? There is kingdom potential in spiritual growth. Another area of potential would be a common focus. We have our vision statement. We're training to become a clear reflection of God's glory. So how does that actively play out in our lives? How does it actively play out in the church ministries? Are we a unified church? It's not about agreeing on the same things. It's about unity. Are we a church that will allow for differences and respect those differences? But are we also a church that that will say, well, maybe my way of thinking needs to shift somewhat. 
The enemy thrives on disunity and unhealthy conflict. Healthy conflict and creative tension, that's all good. That's okay. There's kingdom potential, even in tension and conflict, as long as we have a common focus. And what about fellowship? I think we have fellowship that's almost next to none. But do we need to encourage intimate fellowship? Have we built an environment with safe walls, with trusting walls, created an openness with one another? There's kingdom potential in our fellowship. What about kingdom potential in outreach? Does the community know that we are Exeter CRC 24-7? Or do they just know us as a church that meets together on Sundays? How do we become a church beyond Sunday worship? Are we known as a Dutch church? Or will people find a place to belong here, to worship openly and honestly? God is calling us to reach out throughout his world. And our church has definitely been involved in that. We're also called to reach out in our local communities. And yes, we are involved in that too. And we're beginning to understand all this more. There's much, there's much kingdom potential. You may have seen on the screen before the service too that in the evening services we're going to have a series Go and Tell starting this evening at 6 p.m. I encourage you to come out to those. Learn what it means to reach out to share the gospel message with others. Another area of kingdom potential might be discipleship. From time to time, the, in, whether in the banner or Christian periodicals, we see articles on children and in youth and young adult ministries. And a question that often pops up in, in many churches is where have our young adults gone? Do we show enough love and, and concern for our young adults, for youth and for children? Are we training our youth and young adults properly? Do we teach them and show them what Christ has done for them and for us? Are we ourselves being examples of God's love and God's grace? There's kingdom potential in this area of ministry. And these are just some. These are just some of the questions that many churches, including ours, would have in discerning our kingdom potential. And I don't have the answers, and likely you don't either at this time. But maybe this will prompt us to get excited and passionate to imagine where God is leading His church, Exeter Christian Reformed Church, in 2017 and beyond. It is through God's leading that Nehemiah was able to go before the king. And as we go through this book, we will see Nehemiah as a mover and a shaker. He was a doer. He was a great leader. He got things done. Nehemiah was action-oriented. So he was a great leader. He called people together. He got stuff done. But the first thing, according to chapter 1, that he did was cry. And then this despair led him to pray. He went before God. He fasted and he prayed. So Nehemiah was also a man of prayer. He prayed to God. And he asked the covenant God for success with the king. 
By God's love and grace, God will continue to lead and gather His chosen people. Verse 9. And we need to keep in mind that God leads His people at all times. God is faithful to, in His promises. God is faithful to His people. And in this prayer that Nehemiah offered to God, there's a, there's a few key areas that, we can be, that can be emphasized. Nehemiah, he begins his prayer with praise and adoration. He prays to God, O Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Nehemiah refers to the Lord. And this is Yahweh. This is the covenant name of God. He recognizes the sovereign God of heaven and earth and and how the God continues his covenant with his people, even amidst their brokenness, even amidst their sinfulness. And Nehemiah then recognizes that there's time of confession. And he offers a confession that he and the people have sinned against God, that the people have not obeyed the Lord. They haven't always followed his will. And then he offers his petitions for God to remember his people. And Nehemiah is bold enough to petition God for success. And God grants his success in allowing Nehemiah to leave the position of cupbearer and travel to Jerusalem. Nehemiah's success is on account of God's leading. As individuals, as a church body, we are called to pray. And in our prayers, we, yes, of course, we pray for the needs of the people in our church and in our community. And we do that on a regular basis by all of us. But lift up the leaders, lift up the pastor, the staff, the church, and ask God to reveal his will to us. And that we not only get his will revealed, but that we'll be obedient to his will. Discerning where our walls are broken and where our kingdom potential can be revealed. As God continued to lead the remnant of Israel, God continues to lead His church. God is in the forefront of His church. And He wants us to keep our focus on Him. He wants us to give Him the glory, the praise, the adoration. And we need to confess that we have not always followed His ways and His will. So let, it, let us make it our desire to follow Him. It's not about what we want. It's about what He wants. And as we follow Him and focus on Him, we're to focus on what God gave up for His church and His people. His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, was sacrificed on the cross for the salvation of His people. So as we keep God and His Son, Jesus Christ, in focus, the Holy Spirit can only continue His work in the church. And God will grant us success through His leading. You see, every church has broken walls. It's being aware of where these walls are broken and being aware of our kingdom potential, waiting to get up to bat. By God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, there is work being done. And there will be more work to do. And Nehemiah cared enough to ask the question. He cared enough to weep and to pray for God's guidance. God cares enough for his people to have sent his son, Jesus Christ. God cares enough for his church to establish Christ as the head. God cares enough 
to empower us through the Holy Spirit. So the question is, do we care? And I'm going to look at this question as a rhetorical question because I know we care. So let's continue to ask questions. Let's care enough to pray. Let's care enough to take that extra step towards the kingdom potential. We are in 2017. And there's going to be things that will occur this year, like any other year, that may appear that we are losing 18 to nothing. Not everything will be encouraging. But like the young baseball player, just wait till we get up to bat. And as we go and continue through the book of Nehemiah, we will be prompted with more challenges and more questions. And may we be open to the Spirit's leading and transformation in our hearts and in the life of the church. Amen. Let's pray together a prayer of response, a prayer of confession, and we're going to conclude that time of prayer with singing the two verses, Spirit of the Living God. Let's pray. Almighty and faithful God, covenant God, we praise you, we praise your name for calling us your people, for gathering us together as your body, to work among your community and your world. What an awesome privilege that you've given to us, that we are your body, that we are your church. And Lord, we confess that we have not always followed your will, and we ask for your forgiveness. We confess that we have not always put our trust in you, Lord, as head of the church. We have not always discerned the kingdom potential for our church. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit continues his work among us to promote unity and to promote growth among your church here in Exeter. Instill in us an excitement to be involved in the kingdom work that you call us to. Instill in us to be humble that any successes that occur are not on our own doing, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. We look forward to getting up to bat in your kingdom in your church, with your power. Fill us and use us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.